Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And this is the University of Georgia NFL Draft Podcast 2021. Uh, we're going to be going over kind of our thoughts on the draft, talking about who we think can go in round one, uh, you know, basically making a projection for the first and second days of the NFL draft, which kind of involves the first three rounds, and then an overall project projection. Uh, how many Georgia players do we see get getting drafted overall? Maybe talk about some of the guys we feel like would be steals at some point. Just get into all of that and just kind of, you know, like I said, chew the fat a little bit about, about this NFL draft and and how productive it can be uh, for the Bulldogs and Rusty. Starting with you, um, I think we all know that Aziz Ojolari is the top candidate to be taken in the first round. Do you think that's a surefire thing, or do you think that's that? Uh, what what do you think the odds are that he's going to get taken there in the first round? Uh, I would say sixty forty. I know everybody's going to kill me about percentages because I don't do percentages on recruits. I would say. 60-40, you know, our old colleague Gentry Estes, who covers the Tennessee Titans, called me for an interview uh, a couple of days ago or a week or so ago, and they're really in the market for a pass rusher. And, you know, it'd be ironic, uh, I, I guess, that, you know, that they were the team that kind of got into the first round to take Isaiah Wilson a couple of years ago. But Aziz Ojolari, great season. Um, I just feel like it's such a quarterback-heavy uh, draft craziness. So ready for this draft to to get to at least pick three and get it over with. I mean, it's crazy how much every sports show this is dominated. But um, I'm sure Kip's ready for number, pick number four, see what happens. But getting back to the original question, I think Aziz is a pass rusher. And, it you know, in my mind, it's always about the quarterback. It's always protecting the quarterback, a left tackle. You saw the Chiefs just make that big trade uh, with the Ravens. And and to to shore up their offensive line, and then you know it's about rushing the passer, man. You got to get to this guy. So I think Tennessee is a great spot for him. I think it would be a great fit for him. But I do think that at some point, uh, I would lean that he's going to come off you know mid to late first round, maybe somewhere you know twenty four, twenty two to 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 to, to that thirty uh, second pick in the first round. At some point. I do think Aziz is going to come off, and, and what a great kid. You know, we all kind of covered him a little bit, but, man, meeting his family. And, man, you're talking about a great, great uh, a family and story, you know, coming. It's, it's, it's um, Those two young men are polished, um, just really, really good kids that are really damn good football players. And B.J. Ojolari is going to be a hell of a player at LSU. And um, Aziz has had a great career at Georgia. And, Hope he goes in the first, man. He deserves it. You know, I, I don't want to get deep into this, and we're, we're definitely not, uh, but, you know, you, I, I don't think any of us saw coming what we saw come, what happened with Isaiah Wilson. And uh, obviously hope he gets that ironed out and, and gets, you know, things back right. Um, but Aziz is a guy that I think 0.001% chance of, of having anything in that realm happened with him because you know rusty you gushed uh prior to last year's draft about andrew thomas and and to me uh, his, his character and and his yep. his you know that and to me aziz is in that mold 
Yeah, you know, he he's the guy you put front and center. You want him talking to boosters. You want him, you know, going across the street from UGA's facility and talking to Barrow Elementary School. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of the guys. And, and listen, I, I Isaiah Wilson, I had no idea that was going to pan out the way it did. So I'm not sitting here saying that. Yeah, you know, he's you know he's not like Isaiah Wilson. I I never saw that coming. So I wouldn't have you know pre- predicted anything like that. But but I just Aziz is one of those guys that kind of you've got guys you don't know about, and then you've got guys that that you do know about, and then there's the the ones that are up there, and you're like, listen, if there's a kid that's above reproach, it's going to be a guy like uh, a guy like Aziz Ojolari. And you know, normally, folks, uh, I'll give you a little insight into Rusty and and the non percentage folks when they give their when they do give percentages, they tend to be pretty conservative with them. Uh, so I think Rusty's probably being a little bit conservative there with that sixty forty. And and you know, I would put it in the same range because a you never know what's going to happen, and b you're talking about the end of the first round where a couple of unexpected picks could kind of cause a guy slide a little bit but uh you know i think if you said top 40 one of the top 40 picks i would say 95 5 but if if you want to say first round i would probably put it right there in that 70 30 range i think there's a very good chance he's going to be uh picked in the first round and um you know kip, kip what are, what are yeah, your let thoughts me, How, let me, let me yeah, ask go ahead question because kip's our falcons guy he slides in the second round falcons early pick i mean they look in defensive pass rusher there or what Definitely. Uh, edge rusher is a position that the Falcons have been trying to – I mean, they've been trying to find a pass rusher for the last eight years. You know, you, you just look, look at, uh, you know, guys, Vic Beasley, Dante Fowler, guys that they've, you know, they've brought in and just tried to, to figure out that position, tried to get some pressure, you know, on the quarterback. And for most – it's been very consistent for, for most of that time. So I, I think that if you're Atlanta, this draft, you wish there was a premier pass rusher, like a top 10 guy, because it would make it a lot easier for you to try to trade down. It's the, the There might not be a defensive player taken in the top 10 picks of the draft. And so, I mean, that franchise, since John Abraham left in 2012, uh, the Falcons have been looking for an edge rusher. So if they're if a guy like that's there in the second round, definitely. That's that's a no-brainer for them, most likely, even though they do need help at left guard as well. Don't really have a lot of competition there. But with Aziz, I mean, if the question is whether he's a top 30, top 40 overall prospect, the, the percentage there is a hundred percent. I mean, he definitely is a top. I'd say 20 to 25 talent in this draft. It's just positional value, fit in different franchises. You know, is Aziz a 4-3 defensive end? I mean, that's probably, you know, the biggest question mark, or at least that we've heard, is that, I mean, he's not small, 6'2", 250 pounds. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that coming off the edge. But, you know, if you're running a three-man front, it, he is a little bit of a better fit you know, in that scheme versus just being a pure four, three guy and, and having to take on blockers, you know, every single down lining up, you know, right on a, a tackle and, and having to, you know, fight them off, you know, every other down. So I, I think there is, there is a chance, you know, that if he does air quote fall, it's going to be maybe because, you got some four three teams in there that are that are looking at you know different different things and have different needs. I mean, positional need is definitely going to be a part of this draft and, and and what 
teams are looking for toward the bottom of the first round. I think I think his ceiling probably starts around you know 15, 16 Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but when you get to like pick twenty one, you get to the Colts, the Titans, the Jets, the Steelers, you know even the Jaguars. That's kind of where you start you know thinking this is where Aziz could come off the board because there's there's schematic fit with a lot of those teams and positional need. So I, I think as, as far as guys that can, can rush the quarterback in this draft, there just isn't – there aren't really a lot of, you know, true elite top 10, top 15 talents in this draft. And, and as Rusty said, for, for me as a Falcons fan, that's arguably Atlanta's uh, top need other than the, the secondary. that They have to restock there a lot. But uh, with Aziz, I, I think he's a first-round talent that – is just going to have to wait and see if uh, one of these franchises, I mean, if, if, if it's a perfect fit for him. And, and But I think it's a no-brainer that what he brings to the table, you look at that, the film that he put on against Alabama, he showed he could do it at the next level against NFL offensive linemen. I think that's really kind of what put him on the map nationally as a guy that, I mean, is going to probably be picked in between 20 and 40. He made himself a lot of money in that football game. I tell you what, the the pick, the the team that really stands out to me, and it's probably because they pick like twice in in a span of five picks towards the end of the first round is the Ravens, you know, because they get that pick from Kansas City, and the Ravens have a need at outside linebacker lose Matthew Judon, who who signs with uh, I believe New England, and uh, I think that's one you got to kind of look at because I I think they picked twenty seventh and thirty first in the draft, which. You know, when you've got, you know, two picks that close together, it kind of reminds me of the, of, of the, uh, of the um, Patriots a few years ago whenever they had two picks there at the end of the first round. They actually ended up taking two Georgia players. I don't think the Ravens are going to do that, but with them having that need and it being a premium need, um, you know, that's one of the things about Aziz Ojolari that kind of stands out to me and one of the reasons I think that, um, you know, that there's probably – uh, a very good chance that he goes in round one, or, or like I said, at least in those top forty picks, is he plays a premium position. And whether you're just a you know DPI a DPR, which is a designated pass rusher, or you're a true outside linebacker, or you're a you know four three defensive end or a three four outside linebacker, or or whatever, um, I, I think when you play a premium position like that, that that a team that needs it and has two picks right there together that there's a very good chance they jump in on it. But like Rusty mentioned, you got the Steelers there as well. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Bills have been linked to him in some mock drafts. Um, I think the one team right there at the end you don't see really involved with him is Tampa Bay because they're so good um, in that area. You know, Pittsburgh has, has – I've seen them projected to take him. And then you've got the, the Jets who uh, recently – um, where we're, you know, had him in the second round, early second round, uh, in, in Chad Reader's uh, new mock draft over at NFL.com, um, you know, that they, they picked 23rd. So that might be a spot where they go after him. But I, I, I agree with Kip 100% here that, that, yeah, top 25 pick. It's just how's it going to fall? And which team back there is, is going to be focused on best player available as opposed to trying to, you know, meet a specific need. And, you know, maybe those two things coincide. I do think Aziz Ojolari, if I had to put money on it, would put him in being drafted, you know, even money. Uh, you don't even have to give me odds. Um, it would put even money on him getting drafted in the first round. And, and if not, I see him kind of in that DeAndre Swift uh, Nick Chubb mold of one of those first few picks in the second round. Uh, it wouldn't shock me, though, guys, 
if another Georgia player slipped into the first round or maybe even two for crying out loud. I mean, it's not, you know, when you get to the end of that first round, it gets pretty unpredictable. And obviously I think we know who those next two candidates would be. Rusty, if you had to pick between Tyson Campbell or Eric Stokes slipping into the end of the first round, I don't think there's a great chance of it, but it's always possible. Which one would you think has the best chance of slipping to uh, slipping into the end of the first round? Um, you know, based off the mock draft and things you see, I guess that that pick late uh, in the first round with Buffalo, they're definitely going to be looking for a corner. I've read a couple things where they, you know, the people that cover them think that Tyson Campbell uh, would probably be the best fit there. You know, he's got a little bit more – he's got some length on him. But I think Eric Stokes, man, I, I just – what he runs, what he did um, – I mean, this guy, he'll be one I'll watch in the NFL because I really think Eric Stokes is a first-round talent. I, I really do. I think they're certain and, you know, J.C. Horn, those guys are, you know, where they need to be. But I think that Eric Stokes certainly is worthy of a first-round draft pick because I'm telling you, every ball that was completed on him was contested. It was just a good ball. I always go back to that throw Mac Jones made in the back of the end zone, which was one of the best throws of the damn year. I mean, Eric Stokes was hanging all – over Devonte Smith, and he hit him in the one place that he could. Um, he is just so difficult. He's so fast. Uh, he's learning the position. So, I think if I had to bet, the Buffalo pick is going to be the one I'm going to watch late with Tyson Campbell. Uh, but I certainly think Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell by pick probably 50 will both be gone because they're you know they're ten three, ten four hundred meter guys, uh, regardless of. What they are, 40, it doesn't matter because nobody's going to question their speed. Uh, I'd love to have seen them run at the combine and see what their official official time would have been. Uh, but both of these guys are, you know, legit track guys. They're, they're big-time corners. And I think I would lean more to Tyson Campbell and certainly that Buffalo pick. You know, Buffalo playing Kansas City, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to have some speed to cover these guys, you know, and that's that's what you look for if you're Buffalo. What can we do? to knock off that team because you're going to have to go through them to get to the Super Bowl. So they've got to create a better matchup with all that speed that will spread you out. So you start talking about guys that are 6-1 and can run like that, that's the pick I would watch as Buffalo with maybe one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like the buzz has Tyson Campbell. I mean, I've seen a few mock drafts here lately have Stokes going before Campbell, but it certainly seems like Campbell, when you, when you talk about the first-round stuff – there's a little bit more chatter there. And quite frankly, and this is no knock on Campbell because I think he's definitely, like you said, a top 50, top 75 prospect in this draft, but I just haven't really understood it because I just, I, I, you know, when you, when you look at the measurements from, from pro day, um, Eric Stokes was actually longer. Eric Stokes was actually taller. He was a little bit lighter, I think, but that was about it. He runs better. I, I know that there are, you know, that there's some, there's still some raw elements to his game. I mean, he he came into Georgia. I'm talking about store bought steak raw. Okay, I mean, like really, really raw at that spot. Red shirted. Signing then, day morning. Signing right. day morning. Yeah, I, I think I've told the story. I had to pull off 316. I I thought that. I mean, I thought that I had plenty of time to get up to the butt's mirror and get settled in. All of a sudden, you know, Rusty's like, hey, here comes Eric Stokes. Get something ready. And then, bam, 
you know, I had to pull over, you know, beside the road, big trucks whizzing by, shaking my, shaking my truck, uh, you know, and barely off the road, you know, nerve wracking, but got it done, whatever. Uh, but, but I, I've just, I, I just think Eric Stokes was the better corner in college. And I also think that he's probably got as much or more upside in terms of learning the position and, and, and filling holes in his game, Campbell, who I, who I think Campbell's an excellent player. I mean, I think both of them could play three different positions for you and maybe Campbell even more with his more of a compact body there. You know, I think Campbell may could play five positions in the NFL. I think Eric Stokes could play both cornerbacks or, or maybe even a nickel for you. Um, but but I do I do like both of those guys to to come off the board kind of early there in the second round or definitely in the second round. Kip, who who would you who do you think has the better chance of being taken in the first round, uh, Campbell or uh, or Eric Stokes? It should be Eric Stokes. There should be no questions asked there. Uh, you know, obviously these NFL evaluators, I mean, they might have the same opinion, but you know they they're doing this for a living. They're putting a lot of time into it. Uh, I think it's fascinating the narrative that's been put out there on Eric Stokes that, you know, that he maybe he can't play outside. Um, that he's got a compact build. When, like you guys said, I mean, I'm looking at the measurements right now. Tyson Campbell is three eighths of an inch taller than Eric Stokes. He's six foot one even. Eric Stokes is six foot and five eighths. And then, but then you go down the rest of it. Eric Stokes, 194. Tyson Campbell, 193 as far as their weight. Eric Eric's wingspan, 78 inches. Tyson, two and a half inches uh, shorter wingspan than, than Eric Stokes. Arm length. Eric Stokes, 32 and six eighths inches. Tyson's at 32 even. Hand size. Eric Stokes, nine and a quarter inches with Tyson Campbell at nine. So it's just really interesting to me that that people think that Eric is, you know, kind of narrow in the lower body and, and they're, you know, they're not sure if he can kind of handle uh, run support on, on outside. But even if they're if they're right there, you know, I know that I can plug in Eric Stokes at slot cornerback and and he's gonna be fine there. With Tyson, you're for me, you're gonna have to play him outside and and just live with it and roll with the punches for him as far as, you know, whether he's able to make plays in the ball. Uh we know that he's gonna be able to keep up with most guys in the NFL just because these guys are both elite athletes, even though the NFL has got freaks out there. These guys are upper echelon. They tested off the charts. I just – the known commodity for me, if I'm taking a guy in the first round, even at the end of the first round, is that I think he can, you know, come in and give me at least average to above average play as a starter in year one. And, I mean, that's that's Eric Stokes. I, I don't think three years from now, we, you know, anything is possible. I don't think we're going to be wondering – you know, why didn't he uh, perform well? I think he set up well to play very well in the NFL and have a long career. Tyson, you know, even three years later after coming out of high school, still feels like the upside pick out of the two. Even though, again, Eric Stokes, uh, just as athletic, if not more athletic, but Tyson still feels like the upside pick out of the two. So if, if I'm in an NFL front office and I'm, I'm trying to keep my job, for the next five years, I take the guy that I think is going to make me look, you know, like I made the right choice. And I just think that between those two, uh, Eric is the more known commodity. But still, I mean, I, I if you had someone picking physically between the two, it'd be a tough choice. But when you put on the film, it should it should be an easy decision. And I think that, you know, 
circling right back to me as a Falcons fan. I mean, when the Falcons are picking in that second round, he's on the board. Highly consider that. I mean, I, I think they picked number 35 overall. That's right in that range, really, for both, you know, where both those guys should start being considered heavily. And I think he'd be a strong choice for, for, you know, any team at the beginning of the second round, you know, all, you know, maybe he goes last to 50. I think that's right where that Tyson Campbell range should be as well. I, I think that, you know, they're both in that top 50 overall 40 to 50 range is when you, you should see Tyson Campbell come off the board. Second round, you start picking again, as we said, for physical upside, he's definitely got it. You know, if he can continue to improve in his ball skills, then, yeah, you have yourself a potential uh, cover corner on the outside, and, and those are very hard to find. So I get why the value is there. Uh, I just think that Eric Stokes, you, you plug and play him, and, and you don't worry about it anymore. So uh, I think scheme fit is another thing you kind of got to consider here because when you look at Tyson Campbell's – one and only interception at Georgia. It came in cover two defense, which is a zone, and uh, he did a really good job on that play. Looked very natural. I wonder if a team doesn't see something like that because Georgia didn't play a ton of true zone. They they play a match cover three where they basically match routes, and it's it kind of is a combination of man and zone. Um, I wonder if if a team doesn't see that and kind of fall in love with with his work in zone because like you know when he's got his you know shoulder square to the line of scrimmage and and looking at the quarterback and things like that you know some defensive backs are just better in that situation and not only that he's a very physical football player that's one thing about Tyson Campbell that I do like over Eric Stokes is when he puts his foot in the ground and comes downhill he he strikes he makes tackles he he takes on blockers really well he's a really good player in that regard a uh, quick trivia question for you guys Eric Stokes scored three touchdowns in his Georgia career when's the who's the last Georgia defensive back regardless of how they were scored to score more than that who do you think it is rusty oh god please don't say kirby smart no 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 what kirby i don't know i think it's been since kirby okay. we, we actually you guys weren't on here but i actually had him on the podcast not too long ago hmm put me on the spot yeah yep, yep don't mute now Step, step in here, Kip searching right now. Look at Kip Googling. Right now, Kip's Googling. Google machine, Kip. Google, look at it. He put it on mute so we couldn't hear it. Uh, I'm not 100% positive on this, but I, 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 I you guys are going to you guys are gonna know it as soon as I say it. It's going to jump out to you. It wasn't too long ago either. It wasn't, and it wasn't Dominic Sanders. Oh, man. I don't know. You got me. Tell me. Because you're going to beat Kip on the Google. Kip, you got it? <laughs> Now I actually did not Google because I, I couldn't even begin to figure out what I need to type in, the right combination of words to, to pull up who joined it. It actually is kind of embarrassing because it, it shows that uh, Rusty and I definitely didn't listen to that episode of the podcast. That's, that's, that's rough right there. That's a rough beat for both of us today. Uh, it's Brandon Boykin. Boykin makes sense. Yeah. I, yep. I knew you guys would. I'm would sorry, have... Boykin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he, I mean, he had offensive touchdowns. He had special teams touchdowns. I don't know if he ever had a pick six in his career, um, but but yeah, he uh, it's it's Brandon Boykin. He's the last guy to score that many touchdowns in his Georgia career, and I'm not 100 percent how many he scored in the return game. Um, but yeah, man. he uh, he had he had quite a career in, in, at Georgia, and you know, I think a lot of times folks kind of forget about just how stinking good he was. That Outback Bowl was insane. 
Yeah. Yeah. Th- that, uh, the, um, the, you know, the, the Boise State game, they, they had some great stories about the Boise State Power Ranger uniforms that, that really cracked me up. Uh, but him and Chris Burnett were great um, on the podcast. Let's take a break here real quick, guys. And on the other side, we're going to go – we're going to talk about how many Georgia players we project to be taken in the draft as a whole, how many in the first two days, which is rounds one through three. And then we're going to get into maybe some sleepers and maybe your pick that, yeah, this guy may not be a first-rounder, but this is the guy I would bet on having a great NFL career. Going to get to all that in the second half of the show. All right, before we get into before we get into, you know, sleeper picks and and all of that stuff. I think we'll get into that there at the very end, guys. A little audible there. First 3 rounds, which encompasses the first 2 days of the NFL draft. Rusty, when the dust settles on those first 2 days, how many Georgia players will will have been taken uh overall in the first 3 rounds? First 3? Yeah. Uh, I certainly think Aziz is going Tyson, that's two. Stokes, three. The question's going to be where Monty goes. Will Monty slide into that third round to me? Um, and I, I think he will. So I'll go four. Um, and Ben Cleveland's the next guy I think you could really look and say, this guy might get in there at the end of the third. But I, I, will, I think Ben's a fourth probably. I think uh, Trey Hill's probably a four. Uh, DJ Daniel potentially could get in there. Uh, but I, I think in Richard accounts, the one you're going to have to, you know, are they going to trust their eyes on him? Uh, didn't work out well, obviously with injury, but I think Trey Hill, those guys potentially Mark Webb, four or five, you know, Trey McKitty, maybe where he's at bleak Heron, other guys. So I'm going to say, uh, at the end of round three, uh, Ojalari, Tyson Campbell, Stokes and Rice, are gone um and and um we'll see potentially could ben cleveland slide in there um you know late third i'm gonna agree with you they're on four but i i'm gonna say cleveland goes third and rice goes fourth i think and i i would you know this is not i don't think it's going to give away my sleeper pick but but i i i think monty rice can have a good nfl career as long as he stays healthy um but i think he falls to the to the fourth and and cleveland's up third and george ends up with four guys off the board after the first two days of the draft how many you got kip i got four i agree with you i think ben cleveland's that guy you got those extra picks at the end of the third round that kind of pushes it to uh, i think 105 total picks i think ben cleveland goes right in there right in that 100 to 105 range I think one of those teams takes a flyer on him, just knowing that, you know, maybe he's a, a guy that can give them help at both right guard and right tackle if needed. And I, I just think that's that's right where his value is. So so I got I got it at four. Um, I really think that Ben's kind of that guy that right in that range, people, you know, they're definitely going to fall in love with uh, what he brings to the table physically. And, and he's got really good film as a pass protector as well. So I, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of upside there, and I think he's a guy that could definitely get that second NFL contract if uh, if everything lines up well for him. All right, Rusty, you got four in the first three rounds. How many total? How many in, in the all seven rounds? I think it's 256 picks. How many Bulldogs come off the board overall? Hmm. Well, I'll go with those four. Uh, mentioned first, and I'll go Richard Account gets drafted. I will go DJ Daniel gets drafted. The only guy that I think 
that that potentially could not get drafted, but I think it'll be a you know a free agent for sure would be Malik Heron. Um, I don't know that I think all of them have a really good shot at getting drafted. You just don't know where guys fit in on the boards and those type of things, but you know, about interviews, that type of stuff. But, you know, as far as a good group, you know, Trey McKitty's kind of the guy that we don't really know much about, but we also know that he uh he's he's got some good numbers uh from some stuff. So as far as like character and football players, um, you know, I feel good about these kids that are going in. I mean, obviously the Isaiah Wilson thing threw all of us for a loop. And you never know how someone is going to react with money. And obviously, he, he's got some things to work on. And we're all wishing that he gets his his stuff turned around because he's a very, very talented player. And, uh, you know, just really don't want to see somebody throw that opportunity away of being a first-rounder. But I think character-wise, all these kids, I think they should check out in their interviews. And I think Kirby and that staff really probably vouch for these guys. Um, you know, and, and I think all these guys have a great chance. So, I'll go, was that eight? Is that eight? Um, I'll, I'll go all of them to be honest with you. At some point, I'm get drafted. Yeah, I think if if Trey you're including, Hill, I mean, if you're including Mark Webb in there, Mark Webb, I think Mark. Here's the thing, Mark Webb. Mark Webb can cover. I mean, he he's a bigger guy with these bigger receivers. Um, so you know him playing what he did. Uh, he's got a lot of good tape on that. So uh, I just think that um, you know there's some flexibility there with him in today's game. Translates more with Mark Webb than it probably would ten years ago. Yeah, so I think I think with you, you had your four four top three round guys: Cleveland, Hill, Webb, McKitty, LeCount, LeCount. I, that gets it up to ten or nine I, at I least. Think, I think they all I think they all got a really really good shot at getting drafted. Well, that would be a that would be great uh, for for the Georgia Bulldogs to have that many kids drafted for sure. Yeah, I I, I agree with that for sure. Um, I, I'm gonna jump in here. I'm gonna say right in that eight to nine range. Um. Listen, I like Mark Webb. I think Mark Webb's got a chance to be a good pro. But I have a hard time shaking the fact, and I know it was different drafts and different processes, but, man, if you'd have told me last year going into the draft that J.R. Reed wouldn't get, take, get, into, get taken, I would have it would have blown my mind. And I know Mark Webb's a little bit more versatile than that, but not nearly as productive as a college football player as Reed. And Reed, you know, Reed was on, on, uh, on the Rams roster pretty much all year last year, so it's not like he – he wasn't a great player or a very good player for him. But Mark Webb's a guy, I don't know if he's going to get drafted. You know, I take my first four-round guys with Monty Rice being the fourth. I think Trey Hill and, and Ben Cleveland get taken. That takes the number up to six. I think Trey McKitty gets taken. That's going to take it up to seven. Um, you know, I, I'm a little iffy on Richard LeCount, but I really do feel like a team is going to take a flyer there in the sixth or seventh round. I know I would. I think the world of him is a player. And then everybody else, I think there's just a little bit of a, of a question mark. It's not going to surprise me if Malik Herring and, and uh, Mark Webb get snatched up pretty quick there as, uh, as undrafted free agents. So I'm going to go right there, eight, maybe nine, if Webb can kind of creep in there. Um, and, and, prob- and, and, you know, maybe even slow as seven because I just don't know what's going to happen with Richard LeCount, but my official number is is going to be eight. Kip, who, how many do you have? I believe the record for Georgia is eight. I think they've done it twice. I believe they did it in 2012, 2013. Um, guys that I, I don't think we should worry about whether or not their name is going to be called, I think there are seven of those guys. Obviously, Aziz, Tyson, Stokes, Cleveland. Monty Rice, DJ Daniel, and I think Trey Hill will be selected as well. So I think right there, the four should be set at seven. And then you got to 
you kind of have some uh, 50-50 balls, if you were. I think that if they're both healthy, Malik Herring and Richard Account would both come out fourth fourth round. I think that Account should come off the board in the fifth round. That's I mean, if I'm an NFL franchise, all things considered, uh, I think that's where he should be taken. But as you said, that's exactly what has me think. You know, wondering if the fifth round is where he should start being heavily considered, then that gives him a smaller margin of error as far as just being drafted. And so for LeCount, I think he could be one of those guys that, you know, maybe fall, falls through the draft, just like Millie Caring. I mean, with coming off a major injury, you know, we, we, we expect both those guys come the fall should be back and ready, you know, ready to go. But, you know, the NFL teams are going through and doing all that, the medical checks, you know, they're putting their name, their jobs on the line there. So uh, maybe those two guys fall. I, Trey McKitty is another guy. I mean, we, we saw uh, with Charlie Warner there. I mean, the team late in the draft likes, likes what they see, even though there's, you know, wasn't a ton of film that, I mean, he wasn't able to, to stay healthy this year for Georgia. But, you know, physically, he's got a lot of traits that you like. I think he's a guy that could also help you a little bit on special teams as well. For Mark Webb, I, I think it's just, it's more of a, you know, every time he's out there, it looks like he's starting to figure it out more. And a guy that came in and switched positions for Georgia, but he has all the traits you look for. If you, if you want a guy that can play multiple positions, play the safety position next level. I think, I think you split it. I think two of those guys here, their, their names called. I think Georgia gets nine and sets a new program mark. I think that's that's a good draft for Georgia to have nine guys selected. That's a lot of good publicity for the program and kind of sets the bar uh, for the future. This is kind of Kirby's, you know, a lot of people consider it Kirby's first full draft class. Well, if you set the program mark in your first, you know, your first full uh, having four guys come through the program, I, I think that's pretty impressive. And I think that that bodes well for the future because we know that in recruiting, uh, Kirby has Georgia continuing to roll roll in top prospects. And I, I just think this will be, you know, a really good pub for Georgia at multiple positions here. Obviously, a lot of guys on defense. But I'll, I'll stick with nine. I think that's probably this right down the middle kind of the way to go there, knowing that they could have 11, as many of 11 guys drafted, but knowing that there are one or two guys that, that tend to kind of slip through the cracks when all is said and done. Yeah, I, I left off DJ Daniel and, uh, you know, by default, then I have to kind of leave him out and make him undrafted. I think I would have done that anyway. You know, so I'm, I'm going to go with Webb and Daniel and uh, Herring as undrafted guys. Um, but, you know, not going to shock me at all, like you said, Kip. I mean, as many as 11, I think that's possible. Um, and, and it would be great. It would be great for Georgia to get that, to kind of have that step up there in terms of number of guys drafted. Um, let's wrap it up with this, guys. Um, obviously, you know, Aziz Ojulari, let, let's, let's throw those first three guys out because we kind of have a good feeling that both that those three guys for sure are going to come off the board in the first couple days of the draft. When you look at the guys that could come off the board, you know, late third and later, outside of Stokes Campbell and, and Ojulari, Rusty, who is the guy that you have the most confidence in that is going to have a good, long, strong NFL career? Who would you bet on? If healthy, Eric Stokes. 
outside of those guys, outside of ah, Stokes and Campbell ah, and, and, and you know, who, who beyond those guys? Uh, Trey Hill, just because he is a um, versatile guy. He can snap most of the time. <laughs> I know some people are rolling their eyes. He has some trouble with some shotgun stuff, but I think Trey Hill is just a is a just a road grader, um, really good kid. It's all about injuries, man. Can you stay healthy? I mean, I tell people all the time, my high school teammate played 11 years in NFL. He wasn't a superstar, but he never got hurt. He never got in trouble. So it's all about injuries. Can you that that's what dictates these things as far as predicting, but I just really think Trey Hill, man, has got a lot to him. All three of us covering him for sure. And, um, you know, he's versatile, powerful. There's just a need for those type of guys. And go look at a guy like David Andrews, you know, what he's done in his career. And Trey's a little bit bigger coming out and uh, can do some similar things. So, you know, you stay healthy. Trey Hill can play a lot of years in NFL. I Man, I couldn't agree more. And that's my pick, too. I'm going to let Kip finish it off on this one because that's just – I mean, I look at Trey Hill, and and listen, I don't know if he'll ever make a Pro Bowl, and I don't know if he'll ever, you know, make an All Pro team or or you know, but I do feel confident that Trey Hill has the best chance, maybe of anybody in this draft, of being a ten-year NFL pro, making a lot of money, starting, you know, starting, you know, 150 games in the NFL, 100 you know 25 games in the nfl and just putting it all together provided he stays healthy he's sturdy he's versatile he's i I think he's going to handle the nfl life extremely well just knowing him the way i know him i mean i I think the same thing about monty rice and eric stokes and aziz ojalari and all that too but you know the, the whole thing i just think there's a low there's a very there's a very i'm sorry very high floor here with with Trey Hill and and you know I don't think he comes off the board in the first three rounds, you know it wouldn't shock me if it was fifth, sixth, or seventh for him, but I think in in, in the long term I think he's going to have a very good, very solid NFL career, uh, and and more than likely he's probably going to play guard. I think uh, I think he's probably your prototypical you know guard and who can also slide over and play center if a team needs him to, and and teams are always looking for that, and I think that's always going to bring him value that and his attitude and work ethic. Uh, Kip, who's your guy, man? Start off by saying you, you just described exactly what the Falcons need. Get it done, Atlanta. Middle rounds of the draft. Uh, that's a, that'd be a great pick. You know, I'm going to go with a guy that we really didn't get to see what he could bring to the table really at Georgia, and, and that's Trey McKitty. You know, transferring him from Florida State, you know, had that, that knee uh, injury that really, I mean, hampered him and, and kept us from seeing what he could do in Todd Monken's offense, really. I mean, he had six catches, you know, for 108 yards and a touchdown. But uh, still, uh, he's a guy that you look at what he showed at the uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, he was, you know, he's the best tight end there, but he, he showed ability as a pass catcher, and he showed a guy who can get separation and be good after the catch. And so I think that when looking for guys that can p- potentially be – fifth, sixth, seventh round, maybe even undrafted, but stick in the league. Yeah, I just look at Trey McKitty, 6'4", 246 pounds. I think that they had him at like 11-inch hands out there, if, if I remember correctly. So he's got huge mitts. You know, we're all big fans of, of the large hands. Uh, you know, those that, that's definitely a, a, a good uh, box to check there for all the pass catchers and quarterbacks. But I think he's a guy that, 
again, you look at Charlie Warner and what he was able to do out in San Francisco. You look at the tight end position and kind of it, it coming back, you know, and being a major part of NFL offenses right now and passing attacks. He can come in as a team's third tight end, continue to get stronger, show he can stay healthy, and uh, maybe, you know, pick up the game a, a little bit faster as far as his recognition he's got a chance to, to really carve out a, a long career in the NFL because he has a lot of traits you look for. And I just don't think that we've seen what Trey McKinney can do, uh, you know, at this stage or, you know, obviously at the next stage. But I, just, I think the future is bright for him. Just hopefully, Trey, you, you can stay healthy and, and play for a long time. That's a good one. That that one's definitely one that, that wasn't really on my radar. But as I listened to you talk – about it um i think that's a pretty solid pick and again it goes back to kind of that you know that mindset and that ability to kind of handle the pro life and 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 uh and and deal with all that and mckitty's definitely cut from a different cloth i mean one of the things that everybody pointed out when he signed when he you know chose georgia's his transfer destination from florida state is the dude uh was a uh it was a pilot he was already a licensed pilot um, in college before he ever got to, you know, before he ever got to UGA. And that's, you know, when you put that on top of graduating uh, college and and everything that he kind of accomplished there, that's some stuff you don't hear um, very often. Folks, this has been our draft podcast. Uh, we will uh, we'll be back with you soon to talk about anything and everything Georgia football, recruiting, team, all of that stuff. Um, listen, this is Monday, and you're probably only going to have a few hours to cash in on this, but you can sign up over at Dawes 24-7. You can get two months, a two-month VIP pass over at Dawes 24-7 for $1, less than two cents a day. It's, his, uh, it's an incredible offer. Uh, if you've ever wanted to give us a try, if you've ever wanted to kind of see what it's all about, if you ever wanted to try and interact with myself and Rusty and Kip on the message board and have DM access and all of that stuff, direct messages, whatever, now's the time. Two months, $1. Come check us out. You'll get everything we write, everything we post on the board, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun in the process. You'll get Kip and myself's barbecue stuff and 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 then what we're doing on the smoker uh you'll get uh you'll, you'll get rusty's uh i don't know man rusty's kind of a renaissance man he's got uh, advice on on just about everything and uh plus keeping rusty's recruiting uh you know inside and and my inside on the team as well so come see us and uh we would love to have you uh but for this episode of the junkyard Dogcast, i'm jake Rowe with dogs 24 7 they're kip adams and rusty mansell from the same place and you all take it easy